Nobody questions things in this country anymore. Nobody wants to rock the boat. It's all bullshit, folks. It's all bullshit, and it's bad for you. But we believe them because they're pounded into our heads from the time we're children. Children should be taught to question everything, to question everything they read, everything they hear. Welcome to Question Culture with Brian and Lornette. This is a bi-weekly podcast where each episode, Lornette and I will be discussing and questioning conventional wisdom about a topic we believe is important. You can follow us on Twitter at QCulture and Facebook at QCulture1. That's Q-U-E-C-U-L-T-U-R-E. There we share the links to the documentaries, articles, and books we reference in each episode. On today's episodes, we'll be questioning the new Red Scare. How's it going, Lornette? What's going on, Brian? This is uh, Hi, everybody. This is Lornette Vestal. Um, you can check me out at the EvolvingManProject.com. That's my website where um, we get um, episodes of Question Culture posted on there. I got articles written by myself and other contributors, blogs, and it's a really cool website. Check it out. Um, and thanks for all the people who've already checked it out. And also, um, you can follow me on Twitter at um, EvolvingManLBV. And uh, I'll follow back, especially to my uh, fellow leftists out there. And, um, you know, I, I don't and if you follow me on Twitter, I don't spend my time debating about um, podcasters and, and AOC because we got more important shit to, um, to deal with. Like we hear like we talk about on Question Culture. And, you know, I'm a little too old for that shit. So <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking 38 in a couple of months. So that, that's kind of crazy. Getting closer to 40. I'm like, oh, shit. I don't even, I don't even feel like that, like that age. Like, it's weird. I mean, it's also weird because, like, it's still the media treats millennials like we're all kids. And it's like we or some of us have yeah. have grown kids now. Uh, Zoomers are already making fun of millennials for, like, all their old people tendencies. So we're already getting up into yeah, that Yeah, exactly. That we're, we're about to be. I'm about to. My brother just turned 40. I'm about to, you know, be 40 in a couple years. We're basically middle-aged, so we're at the age now in America where you're supposed to shut the fuck up and go to work. So, shut up, middle-aged person, and go to work. You're not like a senior citizen. We're like, oh, we respect you because you happen to live longer than everybody else. <laughs> and you're not like a kid where, like, you know, like, oh, cute little kid. Or you're not like a 20-year-old where, like, you know, if you're a hot 20-year-old woman, everybody's trying to fuck you, especially, like, the middle-aged people. <laughs> and then student loans are literally fucking you. And, like, you're a young guy, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, like, maybe you can, like, you know, join a football team or something and play sports and be, like, cool. So, <laughs> um, and for the rest of those people somewhere in the middle, whatever. Um, also, uh, Bernita, well, uh, Bernita, my wife, Bernita Haynes, and uh, myself, we have a book called Eve and the Faders, independently published, um, and you can get it on the Great Satan Amazon if you want to, but you can also get it at uh, Indie Bookshop and other bookstores across the country. And you can also get it online. So um, you don't even have to go in person to get it. So, Brian, what are we questioning today? Where Are we questioning how Trump is a, is a puppet of the Soviets and, and Russia and how the Russians helped Trump steal the election? And that's the reason why we had the evil, mean Donald Trump who locked those babies in cages and bombed people and said racist, mean things on Twitter. And now we have a president who doesn't say racist, mean things on Twitter, but still has the kids in cages and they're still bombing brown, brown people and black people are still getting shot. And you have the VP along with Uncle Tim Scott um, talking about there is no more race. America's not a racist country. Who told you that? That's wow. The world is a racist planet because humans decided to like socialize each other 
based off skin color and like certain things. And it's stupid because we're all humans. But like I say all the time, which I learned in sociology and I have the student loans to show it. So my social, my show social degree is race is a scientific fallacy, but a social reality. So it exists only because we make it exist. It's kind of like gender. Yeah. I mean, I guess at its core, this episode's kind of just about xenophobia because I, the Red Scare were obviously talking about like communism and China and Russia and the ramping up of how the, you know, the, the propaganda that the media is pushing out there. Um, I don't know when I was thinking about this episode and like the new Red Scare and like what's unfolding, I was thinking about the phrase, um, you know, his, if uh, history repeats itself and um, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. And then amongst historians, there's a phrase that if you learn history, then you're doomed to watch others repeat it. And that's really how I feel unfolding. I can like feel this ramp up, you know, learning history, like learning about the 1950s and McCarthyism. I, you know, thought about like, oh, what would it be like to be alive during that time where that's going on? Well, now I like really see it unfolding before my own eyes. And it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, it really is. It's it's very interesting. And I think, you know, like we always like to do on Question Culture before we kind of get into kind of the question of the day, which is the new Red Square. Um, what is the new Red Square and why is it happening? We want to do like we always do a little background. So I guess the, the first big piece of background is, you know, what's really weird is Americans really like to talk about World War Two. And about two decades ago, I used to make fun of the History Channel. Now it just sucks. It's just shitty reality TV shows like the rest of television. But like 20 years ago, the History Channel actually showed documentaries and stuff about history. So like you could spend a day, like a Sunday or something, because I didn't go to church because I'm a godless heathen. <laughs> I would like when I was in the military, I would just like some days when I didn't have duty or anything like that. I, and we were in the barracks um, and I had a barracks room by myself. I just like watch History Channel. So I learned that the Spartans, the manly Spartans, the reason why they fought so hard is because they were all fucking each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. The Spartans were so weird, dude, and they're real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like they didn't really value women at all. It was like all it was like a hyper masculine like super... Well, they'd have it was in their culture that they would have like a apprentice who was a young boy and it was like common for them to like, you know, rape them basically. And that was just like so common. It was just like part of the culture and then yeah. they become a Spartan stuff and it's like, yeah, when you get into the Spartans, they're really Really weird group, really, oh, really yeah, weird yeah. culture. But you would find stuff like that. But one of the things I used to make fun of on the History Channel at that time was that they always fucking talked about World War Two. It's always documentaries on World War Two. I guess that's because that's the last um, war that the United States officially won. But if we want to really go I, back, I wouldn't even say that. I think it's because it's the only war in our history that you can find where we like. <sighs> I, I always hated picking, like, winners and losers in war because we're all losers in war. But, like, the Nazis were clearly so evil. It'd be very hard to have an argument to say that, like, the you know, the American Empire was more evil in that particular circumstance. Where, like, in the rest of our wars, like, Vietnam and stuff, it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Oh, no. The United States and those wars were, like, uh, the aggressor. And right. let's be honest. The United States tried to stay out of World War Two. And the only reason we got into World War II is what we never really talk about is, you know, the Pearl Harbor attack. And and, and like the, the spin of it is the historical spin is like the Japanese are going to invade the United States and like we had to save American lives and that's why we dropped two nuclear bombs on China, Japan. Um, that was bullshit. Um, what Japan really wanted to do was control the Pacific. And 
and also the shipping routes. Exactly. Shipping routes for their oil, because if they couldn't move the oil around, they couldn't fund their war machine. Exactly. So, and that's when the Americans got into it. It's like, we want to control those fucking shipping routes to, through the Pacific, motherfuckers. So it's always, it always boils down to money. Every war, it always boils down to money. No, nobody, nobody tell you it's patriotism, pride. It's, it's, you know, the right thing. No, it was about money. We would have let fucking Hitler take over all the fucking Nazi Germany. Hell, IBM and Ford was fucking partnering with the motherfucker. So, and there was, there was a lot of Nazis within, within the U.S. Henry Ford was a Nazi. There was a rally at Madison Square Garden where tens of thousands of Nazi, you know, American And even Nazis after the fucking sure. fall of the, the, the Nazi, you know, after, 19, after the World War II, hell, we bought fucking Operation Paperclip. Look it up. Research it, folks, because we're not making this shit up. Um, and if you want to be lazy and watch that one Amazon show about it, what's it called that has Al Pacino playing the Nazi in it? Oh, I don't even know. Oh, God damn You're it. a bigger it's, movie buff than me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a TV show. I forgot the name of it. I mean, it's all right. Uh, it wasn't the worst show I watched. But anyway, it's tossed about it. And basically, like, long story short, Operation Paperclip, a bunch of Nazi scientists came to the United States and basically helped launch our uh, space program. Our space program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they got the best, you know, the, the scientists that knew the most about, like, propulsion and rockets and stuff. But um, there's two huge myths I want to that are com- I find common in the United States that I want to break. And the first one was that we joined the war because we were sidelined, you know, we were, we were um, attacked by Japan and hit and Hitler was just so evil that we just had to fight him back that we had to fight back. It sucks to say, but so yeah, we knew about the Japanese oil routes and that they were going to need the United States knew that that attack was coming. But they wanted a reason to get into the war because the public was after World War One. The public was very wary of another war, you know, European war. They didn't want to get involved. And Hitler had been doing his, you know, crazy shit for a decade by then. Oh, so yeah. it's not, if, if we would if it really was that we were trying to stop Hitler, we would have been in there a decade ago. That had nothing to do with it. Yeah, what one it of FDR's was, greatest failure was not letting in Jewish rep- refugees until towards the you know end of like the war. Exactly, exactly. And so what we did was we wanted to control the routes in the Pacific against Japan. And a lot of our bankers were getting concerned in Europe because it was starting to look to the point that Hitler was going to take control of Great Britain, Italy, Spain, all these places. And a lot of those companies had loans back to our bankers. And so they were worrying that these our bankers were starting to worry that they wouldn't be able to pay all their money. So then it's like, all right, we got to get involved because we're not going to let them, you know, fuck with our money because banks basically, (laughs) you know, control the country. Um, Like you said, Lornette, it's just all money is just controlling it. So those are the real reasons why we got involved in World War II at the time we did. If you're just like, oh, we wanted to fight the Nazis because they were bad, that doesn't make sense because Nazis were doing bad shit for a decade. So why did we join when we did? Yeah, we had Nazi rallies here and they were no different from the fucking Klan. And let's let's get this clear because I had, you know, the the smart asses on the the Instagram and, and well not Instagram but Twitter Instagram is, you know, it's not for politics. Um, <laughs> it's just for looking at pictures of pretty things and pretty people. Um, Politicians but, um, are too ugly for Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Insta, but Twitter and, like, Facebook, you know, you always have folks. And some asshole goes in and be like, well, actually, America was never fascist. And, like, you know, Nazi Germany was just a real fascist. So, like, just because we didn't like Jim Crow doesn't mean it wasn't fascist. Fucking Adolf Hitler got his inspiration for what he did to the Jews, for how he saw the white people in the United States treat African-Americans. 
and in particular the white people in power. Oh yeah, eugenics. Yeah, that was that was he he, he was inspired by Jim Crow. He's like, yeah, let's separate them. Let's, we need to separate. He was in, he that was his fucking direct inspiration. That's not that's not bullshit and pull out my ass. That's historical facts. Now we can sit there and, and, and split hairs about was the U.S. empire worse than the Nazis? And obviously, by a long shot, the Nazis, you know, they just did a rapid genocide. But the United States is not. So and, and rephrase this episode. We're not. We're this episode is not going to be. It's like we're going to be praising the the Russian government. So all the liberals who might listen is like, oh my god, like Lord it and and Brian are Russian agents, just like Jill Stein <laughs> and Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> according to fucking Kamala Harris. Um, yeah, that's yeah. So we're not that, and we're not going to be praising the Chinese government, and we're not praising the United States government because at the end of the day, these governments act in their own best interest, far rarely in the interest of their citizens. Every few times it lines up. But one of the things about this Red Scare is what we need to know about history is that during World War II, there was something called the U.S. Soviet Pact. And it was the Russians that fucking saved Europe from Nazis. Like the Soviet Union. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's the other myth is that the U.S. won World War II. You know, we showed up on D-Day and we kicked their ass and we won when in reality... you know, all countries fought together, so you got to give everyone their credit. But really, it's the Soviet Union that won World War II. They dedicated way more lives. Way, 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 way more people died in the Soviet Union on and I got some, land. I got some numbers, too, for that. Yeah, the Soviet Union paid the harshest price. Though the numbers are not exact, it's estimated that 26 million Soviet citizens died during World War II, including... 11 million soldiers. At the same time, the Germans suffered three quarters of their wartime losses fighting the Red Army. So it was. And what, was, like 230,000 uh, American soldiers died, right? Yeah. No, no civilians died because it wasn't on our, our land. So 230,000 compared to 20 million fucking people. 20 million. They lost a whole generation of, of men yep. and, 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 and citizens from fighting. Um, the war and speaking from personal experience where you know because my uh, my grandma was uh, in Germany during World War II and my grandpa fought for the German army during World War II and like Russian and Germans there were like there was like a real hatred more than Germans with like the British or the Americans so the violence that occurred even like outside the battles was like especially vicious between those two sides oh yeah yeah as someone who spent some time in Finland Helsinki with a friend of mine and talking to like an old World War II vet and he talked about how they gleefully killed the Russians and I'm just like oh this is an awkward conversation <laughs> so that, that those scars are still deep and then even my buddy who's like a U.S. national but also um, a Finnish national he even served in the Finland Finnish army and like he went on his drunken rant one night about the Russians and I'm like oh okay that's interesting but like he grew up in Europe I mean part most of his life he grew up in Europe but another part he grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin. So I'm like, you grew up like essentially Midwestern, but also European. So I guess yeah. you got the, you've you've had the widest experiences in all of all of existence. <laughs> Growing up in Finland, a, a, a country that has very few colored people until recently, and like Appleton, Wisconsin, where there's like one black person. <laughs> I kid you, Appleton, Wisconsin. I'm from the Midwest too. Um, and then also, let's talk about wait, but but I want to mention that that's what's. It's what makes it so, um, what am I trying to say, that it's so, the, the, 
communism and like fascism and authoritarianism are always portrayed as like the same thing but nobody fought harder to defeat fashion fascism than the communists so i like laugh when i see like conservative politicians like these fascist communists blah 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 and i'm like those two are like opposite ends of the political spectrum too. Exactly. So it just shows your ignorance to combine those two you know oh yeah and like uh just kind of one last thing about kind of russia's role world in world war ii role uh unfairly or not the current tensions obscure the scale of what's being commemorated and this is kind of like in 2015 they had the 70 70th anniversary in moscow of them defeating the nazis starting in 1941 the soviet union bore the brunt of the nazi war machine and played perhaps the most important role in the allies defeat um the axis of evil they defeated the axis of evil back in the day by one calculation for every american soldier killed fighting the germans 80 soviet soldiers died doing the same thing so we owe we owe we the world history would have been a lot different if the Russians had sided with the Nazis. Like they would have yes. won. They would have, they mm-hmm. would have ruled. They would have won. They would have won. Yep. Absolutely. And the United States would not have come out as a country that was most victorious because Europe had to re basically rebuild itself. And the United States basically, you know, kind of came out, you know, the victor because no one like nobody fought on American soil. Yeah. That's what's funny is like all the Besides propaganda that followed. And that was a military base that they attacked. Yeah, it's just like crazy how all the propaganda that followed was so, you know, just made a, you know, was trying to make the general populations hate the Russians when really as recently as 1940, you know, 40s, we were fighting on the same side and they were like helping, you know, the world win a a tremendous victory. Yeah, like defeating the fucking Nazis. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I always thought it was funny because my friend kind of brought this up, like, say the Nazis won and then Japan kind of helped them. Wouldn't eventually end up fighting each other cause since the Nazis were basically white supremacists and Imperial Japan, despite how fucked up they were, they were still not European or Aryan as Hitler imagined. So wouldn't it be like, um, we conquered the world, but you know, <laughs> we don't like you because you guys are not white. And the Japanese have been like, we don't really like you guys either because you're not Japanese. All right, war. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they just they would have just nuked each other. I guess I don't know. It's it's it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard nice to thought say. experiment. And the, and the more the more I learn about Japan, like they're imperialist as fuck too. You know, like I had, like, oh yeah, no well that's why most of Asia like fucking hates like um, you know they if you can get some fucking non-Japanese folks talking about the imperial Japan, they won't have nice things to say about it. Um, and China has a long way to go before they get close to that type of ruthlessness. And a fun fact, uh, a historical fact in the eighteen forty eight. The United States sent their uh, fleet to Japan and basically told them to open their door to trade or be bombed back to the Stone Age. And in 19, 1848, Japan was still ruled by the uh, shoguns, the samurai. And after, you know, the Americans came and threatened them with fucking war, modern warfare that they were not, you know, prepared for. They quickly modernized and they took on like um, Western warfare. And then it came and backfired on the United States Almost 100 years to the date on December 7th, 1941, the day that we'll live in infamy. <laughs> oh, God, I'm nerding out on history right now. Nerd! <laughs> He's talking about fucking Pearl Harbor, nerd! 
I, uh, and I want to clarify, I'm not saying Japan is any more or less imperialist than any other nation. I know China and Japan have been fighting each other for centuries, but I just have been reading recently about some of the things Japan was doing, like, right before World War II, and it's like, Jesus, they were really doing some fucked up shit, too, you know, like a bunch of, like, other countries. But, um, I mean, okay, so World War II ended, and then, basically, I mean, what happened was the U.S. had positioned itself really nice by coming in late into World War II. Um, They positioned themselves to have a new global empire, and really, like, the Soviet Union was its counterpoint. You know, it was its only roadblock to, like, complete world hegemony, you know? And what is hegemony for the folks who don't have fancy college degrees? (laughs) Basically, just their businesses had control over the global markets, you know, um, so basically all of Europe, most of the Soviet Union had been completely decimated. And up to that point in history, you know, most of Europe had uh, colonized all the other countries in the world. So they were controlling markets. Then they were decimated between, you know, by their own infighting between ger- the Germans and, you know, and everyone else. And so America's uh, business were businesses were in a real good place to take over from that point. But they were private industry. They were private corporations where the Soviets controlled markets, too, but they were all government based. So it was basically two conflicting systems. And, you know, as history, you know, shows time and time again, the money will win out. So these two forces then basically went head to head. Yeah. And then, you know, in the 1950s, um, you had the formation of uh, um, what Janitor was it, Joe McCarthy, right? Yeah, Joe McCarthy, Republican from Wisconsin. Yes, and he started the the red the the red baiting, um, looking for anybody who was un-American, and and uh, obviously sympathetic to the commies. So, so he would basically go around, go on tours, and like draw crowds, and you know talk about how communists are coming to you know steal your children and warp you know young minds and stuff and it even started slightly before that as soon as world war ii was over the next couple years in 1947 truman issued executive order 9835 initiating a program to search out any infiltration or disloyal person inside the united states government so between 47 and 52 some 6.6 million people were investigated but not a single case of espionage was ever uncovered if that doesn't sum up government spending, I don't know what does. We need to create a boogeyman. We need to create a boogeyman. Are there actually any boogeyman? No. But we spent all these millions of dollars, billions of dollars, like looking for this boogeyman. And but shut the fuck up. You have freedom. Um, be quiet. America wins. And and so what that did was they didn't find any espionage, but it kind of set the precedent. It set the stage for this red hunt that like gave, you know, that then it was going on in the media and the news that, oh, you know, these communists are coming and they're infiltrating things and they're going to destroy things, you know. Um, and so during that same period, so Joe MacArthur, um, I think he was he the head of I don't know. I know he was involved, but there was the House of the Un-American Activities Committee. Um, and they were interrogating interrogating Americans about their communist connections and, you know, um, holding them in content if they refused. So they were really threatening people with, like, jail time if they didn't talk about their beliefs, basically. And, and what came to happen was communism was just a word anytime you criticized America. So anytime you did something like this podcast, it'd be like, oh, you're un-American, so that means you're a communist, you know? Yeah, and I, and I think about that time because, you know, we talked about it a few podcasts ago about the Great Depression and 
during that and pre-Great Depression. So the 1920s, the 1910s, there was a lot of inequality in America at that time. So socialist ideology, communism, anarchy, those political ideologies were really were having a firm grip. And some of the like the you know major labor organizing, um, and even some of the things that folks enjoy today, like the weekend, uh, workman's comp, <laughs> a minimum wage, all these things were like fought for not just by you know um, the workers, but a lot of these workers at the time were organized by socialists. I know, ooh, social, oh my god, like Bojo Biden, I beat the socialists, I beat the socialists, I beat. The, I'm a Republican too. I mean, I'm a Republican Trump because <laughs> that's what he is. He's our best. Republican president of the new decade. Yay. Uh, Joe Biden. Uh, I had to do a dig because I always do a dig. But um, I think this red scare and this, um, this McCarthyism that rose in the 50s was a reaction to all the, the, the wins of the New Deal, which were not like really major victories. Well, some were major victories and some were small victories and some were just propping up capitalism. That's the funny thing about it. But They, they were made like, life you know, slightly more livable. Yeah. And the the powers that be were like, no, we got to make a biggie, man. And we can, you know, we'll make the, you know, it'll be the Russians and communists. And and we'll, anybody who is slightly critical of our, you know, empire that won the war, even though it was really Russia that really is a real MVP of World War Two and defeating Nazis. Because um, we didn't even have to, the Americans didn't even have to drop the nuclear bomb. We, we just dropped it on them for, you know, because we wanted to see how it worked. It was really, and it's, it was absolutely horrible. I mean, you know, the people right. of Japan. It was a war crime. It was a yeah, war it was crime. a war crime. Like you know, the people of Japan were not responsible for what the Japanese government was doing. It's kind of like saying every American citizen um, is responsible for what the fuckery that the United States does. I mean, obviously right. those populations, whether it was Imperial Japan or United States currently, are heavily propagandized. So that's why you have a bunch of people who think that Trump was like fighting the deep state, or that the Democrats are really fighting for them. But we can. That's another podcast for another day. This McCarthyism and this Red Scare shit was to take out any radical or labor organizing. It was it was targeted. It was really yes because in, any it, dissent. In, in it, yeah, and it, and also like Black liberation because Martin Dr. King was labeled a communist throughout his time in in a, in a Nazi meaning a socialist commie sympathizer and probably working for the Russians. That was a a common critique. Of Dr. You know Martin Luther King that he was a commie when you know he was like look we should you know redistribute wealth where we make a society equal and we shouldn't be spending all our goddamn money on war sensible things and that you know yes black and white people should live together and that you know we should we fight into like uh, in racism but that made him like an enemy of the state because he dared criticize the war machine and thus a commie so this stuff started in the 1950s with McCarthy and even before that. Um, and I think it's important to point out at this moment in history how the media worked in tandem with the government to spread this fear of communism. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there I was just reading some of the articles that they had at the time. The New York Times ran an editorial. Uh, we would not knowingly employ a communist party member in the news or editorial department. So like talking about them searching out within themselves, not find communists. There were other ma- a magazine article headlines that said, how communists, uh, how communists get that way. Communists are after your children. And so, like, it was literally any kind of dissent was just lumped into this communism socialist. Um, and what it really was, too, was a guise to expand the military. 
um, because starting in 1950, uh, the total U.S. budget was about 40 million, and uh, the the military part of that was 12 billion. I'm sorry, that's 40 billion to 12 billion. But by 1955, five years later, the military part alone was 40 billion, and the total was 62 billion. So it was just this boogeyman used as an excuse, like we can wrap up the military industrial complex. You know? Oh yeah, the same thing that Eisenhower warned. When he left office in the um, end of the 50s, like 59, when he was like, he warned about the military industrial complex because he was a general and he saw like the rise of it after World War Two. And it, and it hasn't ended. It always expanded. Um, and also an interesting thing is like this, these these this red scare during this time period. Uh, we talked about Dr. King, but it had impact on lots of people's everyday lives Hollywood actors and actresses were blacklisted people couldn't get jobs people couldn't write for newspapers careers and lives were really destroyed and one interesting person that existed during this time was a a black man named Paul Robeson and this dude was all intents and purposes he's a fucking genius Um, he was a gifted athlete he played three sports including collegiate football and was a, a national champion many times over and played three other sports at a, at the at an expert level, but the motherfucker spoke twenty languages. Twenty, I can barely speak English. He spoke twenty. He taught himself how to speak twenty <laughs> languages because he said that language is the way you communicate. Like language, learning other languages is the way you can communicate with humanity. So he wanted to learn as many. And on top of that, he was a world renowned opera singer. Singer. He was a singer and an actor, like a a, a world famous actor. Shakespearean actor. So this guy basically anything he wanted to do, not only did he do it, but he did like he was the best at it. So like in multiple things, he was a true Renaissance man, and probably like a, a, he was a genius. And he also being so intelligent because you know you know it seemed like these very smart people like Einstein and Paul Robeson seemed to be leaning towards you know being very left. I wonder why and very compassionate and seeing the whole of humanity, not just like their own little group because Paul Robeson was, was for all intents and purposes, a political activist and he was a socialist. And during the red scare, he was one of the people targeted and they really destroyed his life. They, they, you know, they, they, they gaslit him. They monitored him. They, they spied on him. And to the point where they drove him by the 1960s, he was driven insane. Like he, he couldn't perform. He lost, he lost his livelihood and all because he stood up, not just for black people, but just for humanity. And what really got him in trouble is he went to go visit the Soviet Union back in the, I believe, the 50s and said, you know, I was treated like a human being there, unlike I am in the United States, despite all his accomplishments. So, And that's one thing we can't, you know, I highly recommend checking out our history episodes, and we'll be getting into this part in history sometime next year. But every aspect of life was affected by this, whether, you know, it be actors and athletes or teachers, college professors were questioned, really it it created a chilling effect across the entire country where like everyone was afraid to speak out because if you spoke out about anything race relations the economy the war machine anything it was just oh so you're communist you hate america you hate america you hate america and then and so it just had this chilling effect in every aspect of society we want to talk about the new red scare so we can't but that was a terrific example or net of just how this propaganda hurt everyone across the entire yeah. country so those like those are just kind of like um yeah um yeah that was like i said that was a way to kind of you know curtail any type of really critique and it was used to like build the military and also turn citizens against each other 
So mm-hmm. th- it's, it's, it's a perfect tool, a perfect boogeyman, and help build the military industrial complex as we know it. Build down, build the military industrial complex, tear down workers' rights at the same time, while also having a boogeyman for a war machine. So yeah, yeah, because even like the Korean War in Vietnam was was fought to like stop the spread of communism and all the yeah. fucking you know proxy wars and and overthrows of Latin American countries and installing right wing fascist governments in those those countries in the southern cone over the last you know since since basically the 1950s. Um, if it well, was in the name of fighting communism, but it's really just to expand markets. For, well, as you said, the fancy word earlier, uh, U.S. hegemony, because you know we got to <laughs> we got to make that money, baby. We can't have markets closed. We can't we can't have state-owned oil. We can't have state-owned fruit companies. We gotta we gotta overthrow them. Shout out to Shakita Banana, baby. Um, so yeah. And what's fucked up was like, you know, because I've been reading about like Vietnam a lot lately, and in in previous wars that were about resources that was like one thing but this new type of war of you know fighting communism that's like an abstract idea it's as fucking abstract as the war on terrorism like that's not a person or a resource or anything so really all it boils down to is it's just killing a bunch of people because it's like oh they're bad so we're going to kill them and we're going to happen to stay in their land and take their shit too but you yeah. know it's just like the violence is just absolutely out of control because it's not even a war with any kind of end game it's just we don't like how these people think over here, so we'll kill them. You know? Yeah, and then as we before we kind of get into the um, the the new, you know, we got the you know, the new Red Scare, and the, we got to talk about also the other you know communist boogeyman, which is China. Yeah. Well, well, I guess before we get to you know, uh, well, we can get to uh, the rise of China. So um, China is now the largest, second largest economy in the world. But uh, it is also a contradiction. On one hand, it's lots of multinationals that are responsible for its growth, either directly or subcontracted to Taiwanese and Chinese firms. And on the other hand, China is rapidly developing its own industries, has national champions in the state and uh, private sector. And also an interesting thing about the rise of China, um, it is true, you know, nowadays there's a growing consensus, even today, uh, amongst Democrats and Republicans against China, even uh, prominent American liberals like to bash China nowadays. But many of these liberal politicians should be blamed for the situation in the first place, because after 1989, the Tiananmen Square massacre, uh, it was liberal politicians like Bill Clinton and Tony Blair that basically forgave um, the Chinese Communist Party reopened trade relations and encouraged massive investment flows into the country. And what's really interesting is it was a Republican that was the first, you know, Richard M. Nixon was the first U.S. president to visit China, um, the communist China, because he wanted to open them up to trade. Like, he's like, hey, it's a billion, it's almost a billion motherfuckers over there. They can buy some shit. So let's, let's go. So it was a, you know, Americans that kind of modernized that you know help modernize China and, and turn them into like a capitalist society. So even though they're called themselves the Communist Party, I mean it's they have like some state entities, but they're still like capitalist as fuck too. That's what's so silly about all these labels and boogeyman making. It's like China's communist, China's communist. They are capitalist as fuck too. Like they are all business based. They have factories with fucking suicide nets. Like that's how fucking capital pro capitalist. Your Nike they are. shoes get made in fucking sweatshops. 
Right, but because their government spends slightly more, you know, controlling the flow of markets, then they're like, oh, they're they're fucking communists, this crazy shit, you know. And something I want to, what I think is kind of behind this this new wave of China hatred, you know, what the powerful are thinking, is it, it's another evolution of business, and China is starting to win the new evolution. Because what used to happen with empire building, so let's go, you know, back before the American empire and go to like the British empire and, and the Dutch empire, they would just go somewhere, blow everything up, be like, we're in charge. Now you're listening to us, you know, enslave or wage slave everyone. And that would be that. But that caused a lot of resistance because there'd be people in the country like you're not even up fr- from here. You know, what are you doing here? There'd be a lot of resistance. So the next evolution was what the American empire was built around where We'll go in and blow shit up, but then we'll install a puppet empire. So we'll, you know, like in Afghanistan, we'll see, be like, see, there was an election. You have, you know, you picked who you wanted. They're Afghani. Oh, we paid for them, you know, and we back the person that wins and who yeah. we want wins. But and, it's kind of, you, know, you, you kind of keep your doesn't, We don't back wins. We just throw a dude, we sponsor a coup d'etat, so. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's kind of this empire building from a distance. What China's doing now is they're doing even more from a distance where all they're doing is having their businesses go into foreign countries and be like, hey, we'll fund this, but then we want this return and we're going to charge this interest on it. So they're not even doing it militarily. They're doing it from a business level because they had the money, like Lornette mentioned, from the United States. So they started going around the world and say, hey, we'll give you all these loans to do things. So Chinese businesses are owning more and more of the world because they're not doing this, you know, aggressive war that the American empire has been doing. Yeah, they'll go to like, you know, countries in Africa and be like, you know, the Americans will go there and be like, well, you know, we'll we'll get you high speed Internet. And it's like, motherfucker, we need running water and like plumbing. And we don't fucking Internet, fuck a, you know, computer, you know, fuck 5G. We, we, we need our basic needs met. How are you going to help us with that? And China will go there and be like, we'll we'll build a road. We'll get you electricity. We'll get you running water, and, you know, plumbing. But also. It's quid pro quo for all the uh, lawyers listening. Uh, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. So it's kind of like an economic imperialism, soft imperialism. Not exactly. that, you know, we're going to drop bombs or we're just going to come in and invade you and like stay there like the Brits did and establish, you know, and be a, and you'll be a colony of us. So it's this very, you know, it's a, it's a long game that the Chinese has played for a long time. And then like, you know, I'm not, you know, they, they played the long game. And even in this, in this era of COVID, the, the Chinese vaccine is getting out while the, you know, the, the Western world is like, we want to protect patents. And it's fucking insane because when the polio was vaccine was discovered, we just gave, gave that to the world. And like the founder of that was like, that's like patenting the sun. Like it makes no sense. It's, it's for everybody. And that's how the COVID virus, mean COVID, COVID vaccine, which I have, I got the Pfizer one. So there's my computer chip right there. <laughs> but like the China, China is like, well, you can have our vaccine. But, you know, you got to do something for us. Where America and, like, the West are trying to protect Big Pharma so they can have a patent over it. And then if they do do a business with them, they got to take up some IMF loans or some shit like that. Or denationalize all their banks and all their oil and all that stuff. So, you know, Americans is like, no, you, we, you want this vaccine? You're going to have to bend over fucking backwards and take it with no grease and no Vaseline. And then we'll give you the vaccine. 
the only reason I bring up that empire building and forming is because we're over the next decade, the propaganda is going to come on real thick and real heavy to hate Russia, to hate China. And even though, you know, people like me and Lornette, people, you know, 99.9% of American citizens, China's on the other side of the fucking world. We don't think about them ever. We have no, you know, no issue with them whatsoever, but we're going to start to, you know, be made to fear them because the wealthiest among us, the 0.001% are upset that the 0.001% in China are starting to win, you know, win elbow space in the market and start to overpower them. So they're freaking out. So they're going to put that in the media and try and get us to freak about freak out about their interests. So that's kind of basically exactly what's going to happen. And both Republicans and Democrats are going to push this China Russia fear. Yeah. And like with Russiagate, let's kind of go into that. So, you know, MSNBC, you know, they, they love Russiagate. Rachel Maddow was reporting it on every night and Trump won because, like, you know, it was, you know, Russia, you know, um, had agents on Facebook and they got your grandma to vote for the racist guy, <laughs> the openly racist guy. Because let's let's be honest, Biden is racist, too. Like you said, lock yep. the sons of bitches up um, yep. and referring to black folks who look like me. Um, so and he was friends with segregation. I'm not making this shit up. You can just do your research about good. The Listen DC to our man, presidency episode on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did a presidency episode. We talked about that. But what's really funny about the Russiagate thing, and like, this was uh, the brainchild of the Hillary Clinton campaign. So Hillary Clinton and her team actively uh, were actively attempted to secure Trump a Trump primary victim victory because they assumed he would be the easiest candidate for them to beat. Um, the Podesta emails show that her team considered even before the primaries that they would associate Trump with Vladimir Putin and Russia, and that that would be a winning strategy. And they employed it as a tactic throughout 2016 and beyond because there was a video of Hillary Clinton looking like a crazy woman with Bill Clinton in the bed just being like, I'm so I'm so fucking tired of her. Why don't she shut the fuck up? And she was like going on about how like Trump was a Russian Asian and how it was Russians that lost her the fucking election. Maybe you lost the election because you ran two shitty campaigns. You lost to a fucking black dude named Barack Hussein Obama in 2008 during the height of fucking a few years after 9-11. And you lost to that guy. And then you lose to the fucking reality TV show. Maybe you suck at running presidential campaigns, Hillary. Like, you were the most famous woman politician in all of history, and you fucking lost twice. It wasn't Russia, all right? Russia didn't, and, and Russia didn't have all the... When Trump won the election, when he said, I don't think Mexico's sending their best people, they're sending rapists, drug dealers, and I assume some of them good people. Racism won Trump the election. He just, you know, he, he was an wait, honest wait, racist. Wait. Yeah, wait. So, to back up for a minute, though, so... To put Russiagate in its most simple terms would be that the Democratic the Democratic establishment after Trump won the election was trying to say that Trump was an illegitimate president because Russia had put out a bunch of misinformation and bad memes and yep. stuff about Hillary Clinton and basically influenced the Americans the American people's perception. And so that's like the gist of what Russiagate was. And it's and it's absolute and like reality is absolute bullshit. It's it's QAnon. Oh, it's total liberals. bullshit. Exactly. That's what I call it. I call it blue QAnon because it's a completely unfounded conspiracy theory that they have latched onto. And, and it's very ironic and hypocritical of the United States, especially like the political parties, um, both political parties over the decades, and all their fucking actual interference with elections. And outright fucking sponsoring coup d'etats from the Bay of Pigs to fucking throwing over Salvador Allende in Guatemala to fucking installing the Shah in Iran. Um, the list goes on and on. 
Yeah, that's what's funny about this is I feel like it's projecting by the Democrats because the United States has interfered, whether it be full-blown war or just coup d'etats or financially influencing. They've done, isn't it like it's over 50 since World War II? Oh, yeah. So, like, we're running all around the world influencing From elections. Egypt, I mean, all across the world. Asia, Southeast Asia, Egypt, the Middle East, definitely Latin and South, Central America and South America, definitely. Uh, we are we we fucking destabilized Russia, and you know um, the when they were the Soviet Union was collapsing, they were you know they wanted to turn it to kind of like a Scandinavian model, and we we're like we don't lose that oil, fuck no. <laughs> so well let's let's destabilize you know parts of the you know and and that's why we're still in Ukraine and and fighting over that shit because like we need some influence over there. Well, that's my main that's my simplest argument against this RussiaGate bullshit. Is if Trump was, you know, handpicked by Putin and his Russian agent in there to destroy America, then why did Trump do all this shit to hurt Russia? Like he he started new sanctions against them. Yeah. So if he was their puppet, he wouldn't be doing shit like that. Yeah. And I'm like, like people vote, and, and and also another reason, I think liberals ran with this Russia Gate thing, and in particular white liberals, is because they had a lot of people in their family who voted for Trump, and Trump was an unabashedly honest racist. I, I like that type of racist. I mean, I like to know where I stand. If you're just a racist piece of shit, I like to know where I stand with you as a black guy. I don't want I don't want like the soft, nice racism of fucking Joe Biden, who'll have his like black friend Kamala be like, Oh, America's not a racist country. It's 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 great. You know, or, or like you know, I, I want I, I at least I want I wanna know I wanna see you fucking coming with me with the knife versus like stab me in the back when I turn around. Um so that was also an excuse to like pass off people just basically voting for you know a, a person who who said really racist shit and they were fine with it like and like i said not everybody who's not everybody who's racist voted for trump but all the races definitely did vote for trump and it was a way to like you know maintain whiteness and me like oh you know we we would never vote we're not racist anymore we had a black president how dare you it was russia no no it was it was american citizens who had their fucking mind made up even the motherfuckers who didn't like Trump were just like, well, fuck it. I'll do this to own the libs. Or like they agree with his racist rhetoric. Or they just said they or they just wanted the shit to burn down. It's one of the one of the three reasons. To be honest, I think a lot of And Americans he was a rich celebrity, been, so let's let's also say that. Right. But I dude, I think a, honestly a lot of it was a lot of Americans just think you have to vote Democrat or Republican every election. And there was just more people that hated Hillary. Yeah. I, I honestly pictured just it, Hillary was such a horrible candidate that that's a huge reason why Trump won. Yeah. And now the Democrats, because the Democrats are in this awkward space now where like Republicans have unabashedly served the elite. You know, they don't, they, they say they don't give a fuck about poor people. They don't give a fuck about poor people. They are, you know, what they are. Where Democrats are in this space where, they serve the same elites, but they want to pretend like they're for the common working man. So they're in this space where they've just been running these horrible fucking candidates. And yeah, if you keep doing that, eventually you're going to lose to a fascist like Trump. But then they were trying to blame it on foreign interference when it was their own, you know, actually, you know, their own lies that got them in oh, that yeah, exactly. place. And like the thing is that they fucking tried to, like, they wanted Trump to win. That was the thing. Like we, and they underestimated your enemy and. Yep. And, and in, in war and sports, one thing you never fucking do is underestimate your enemy. You mm-hmm. you fucking go there too cocky. Like I don't care if you're the the you know the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New England Patriots in their prime, and you're like playing against the Cleveland Browns. Any given Sunday, 
the Cleveland Browns can fucking beat you. And you can go there like, oh, we're, we're fucking Super Bowl champions. We multiple times Super Bowl champions. Well, fucking, they haven't won a goddamn game all season. We'll beat them. And they fucking lose. And that's what the Clinton campaign did. They did that with Obama. They didn't think the black guy could win. And then they did that with Trump, where they're like, oh, this guy's a clown. He's a buffoon. No one will ever vote for him. And he fucking won. And, like, let's be honest. Joe Biden barely eked out a, a victory. Because I know the liberals, like, got their chest all pumped out. Joe Biden got 80 million votes. Trump got fucking, what, 75 million? So it wasn't that, wasn't that many. It was basically California that helped Biden go over. And, he, and, and if it wasn't for COVID, I think Trump probably would have been president again. Let's be honest. He just fucked that up because, you know, they're, they're fucking all horrible people. And they don't care about people dying. So, like, that, that's, that's the real truth behind it. But this Russiagate thing, it was so crazy that they all, like, people literally hate the Green Party candidate, Jill Stein. And, like, you know, people like Rachel Maddow, you know, called her a Kremlin stooge. And when and they, like, the news broke, like, oh, my God, she was in Russia. She's Putin's puppet. She's trying to be a spoiler to, like, ruin it for Hillary. And that's what she did. And I was just like, wow. So the party that believes women just threw this woman under the bus because, like, oh, my God, she was part of a third party. I dare Americans vote outside the duopoly. I, I dare Americans think that both parties probably suck and probably want something else. But that's what's so insidious about what's going on is the Democrats portray themselves. We're the resistance. We're fighting Trump. But they, by, they installed Trump. But, they fucking helped they, him. They, they installed. They helped him. And by by atta- you can attack Trump for a million legit things of why he's a horrible person and a horrible president. There's a million reasons you could do that. But the Democrats do the same shit as most of those things, so they have to make up some bullshit to attack him on instead of. T- and what that does then is that feeds the far right because they're like, oh, you know, the, the rightfully so, they're like the media is against Trump and and this and this against Trump. So they're correct because that they are lying and making up a story about him. Yeah, and then on top of that, we we talked about this in our media episode, but I think what Trump got like what a billion like. 80, he got billions of dollars worth of free advertisement, not just from like Fox News, the conservative news spaces and things like that, from like the so-called you know liberal media like MSNBC, CNN. They all talk CBS News, NBC. They're all fucking talking about like Trump, Trump, Trump during the primaries. He was like, it was like a sideshow. Like, oh look at this, this celebrity is running for president, and they gave him free free publicity. Just imagine if Bernie get like a, a tenth of that, he might be the fucking he might have won the primary and probably would have beat Trump. Um, you know, but you know, I'm 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 Sunday, you know, Monday morning quarterback. I don't know. Maybe Trump was in, it was inevitable that we're going to vote for a, a a celebrity because America. We voted for we voted for Reagan, who was a celebrity, a B-list celebrity. We voted for fucking you know well, they've made Jesse Ventura a wrestler, the governor of fucking Minnesota a few years ago, and now forty percent of Americans want Dwayne Johnson to run for president. So it's like, yeah, well, God bless <laughs> you know America. <laughs> You know what's funny about this whole thing, too, was like how quickly history repeats itself, because like Mueller and all these people that, you know, Jeff Sessions, all these people that the Democrats were like, oh, my God, these people are fighting Trump and like our heroes. These are the same exact motherfuckers that lied about WMDs in in, in Iraq and shit. It's like literally the same Motley crew. Oh, yeah. Like the Lincoln Project is just ran by like, you know, Bush president. Bush era like cronies who yeah. you know made money off the war in Afghanistan and Iraq, and even the liberals like redeem goddamn Bush like oh my god he's friends with Michelle they give each other hugs and candies he's a sweet old man no he's not he's a fucking war criminal that deserves to be in jail, but now you got you now you have woke CIA ads so you know 
ha- welcome to the resistance. You can be you can be a cis you can be a cisgender Latina, or you can be a, a disabled Muslim man working for the CIA. So when I go overthrow a government, I do it with love, though. That's what I do. <laughs> when I poison your democratically elected leader, I do it with like you know, I, I do it with like proper pronouns. And I see you, I hear you, and we will torture you. <laughs> yeah, there. God, that ad was fucking. I, God, I, I don't know whether to laugh or like, what a weird war. I, I just like Brian. I think up. we are beyond parody. We're 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 beyond parody as a society in a, in a world now. But the Russia Gate was just kind of like the, the the new McCarthyism was what we call it. And I mean, the thing is, like, you can today, you know, they can say it's it's the the, the Republicans are Moscow Mitch and and the Kremlin Lindsey Graham or whatever. And and like, but they also blame Black Lives Matter. They were they were the Russians' interference. Any type of they can they're. They're gonna. They can take this like what they did during the um the right, red scare. Yeah, it serves so many purposes. And, yep. and 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 any type of really left wing or union rising uprising could be or a, a liberal you know or left wing not liberal but left wing actual leftist um, uprising or change or racial uprising could be. They'll just say, oh, it's Russian agents. They're they're all influenced by the, the Kremlin. And even though Trump's long gone, you still see the Democrats. Russia's doing this. Russia's doing that. So, oh yeah, and, and Hillary Clinton called a sitting member of Congress a fucking Russian agent. Who? Right? She's a fucking war veteran. She's a she served right. in the United States Army. Right. She's right. a war veteran. Who's that? Uh, That's Tulsi Gabbard, uh, the one Tulsi that Gabbard, all the, like yeah, the right wingers yeah. liked and, and the leftists liked. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I, I I've seen her in like you know like some pants and like you know she's got something going on back there. So. <laughs> And she's easy on the eye, so I understand why they're liking it. But I'm like, look, listen to the woman's oh, policy. You don't look at like her assets, you know. No, but <laughs> but she called like she, so any all because she criticized Hillary Clinton. So just you're gonna get to a point that if you if we're criticizing Biden or like a, a Republican or Democrat on this on this podcast, and we can get called Russian agents, right? So I don't even fucking speak Russian. Well, I have a Russian sister-in-law, so there. I guess there's my connection. <laughs> You know, I meant I mentioned in our media uh, episode that if your news sources isn't constantly talking about Julian Assange and what a threat to journalism that is, then you're not listening to the news. You're listening to propaganda. And I would say the same the the uh, Russiagate is the exact same kind of benchmark. If the news that you follow was promoting this bullshit, then you're not listening to news. You're listening to propaganda. So you should be listening. There were actual actual journalists that debunked Russiagate fairly quickly. Uh, I would say Aaron Matei from the Gray Zone was, you know, the the best one at this. He had a lot of good episodes. And as always, we'll share the links to all this stuff. I have about 30 episodes debunking Russiagate in different ways from actual journalists. Aaron Matei, Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi did some. The Gray Zone in general is a great news site. And Kyle Kalinske, Jimmy Dore, Lee Camp all had these people. Chris Hedges had these people on his sh- their shows to kind of debunk this this bullshit in a way that you know probably better than me and Larnett can because they were the actual ones that uncovered it. Yeah. So, what are some solutions that we can do to fight this kind of Russia Gate new red scare that's going on to prevent us from like going down a rabbit hole where everybody who critiques um, the powers that be are, are considered as like some Russian puppet or or agent of China, or agent of Russia. I mean, I guess to start big picture, I want people to think, like, 
we have instant communication. All global economics is all intertwined. All of humanity is one people. So we need to stop. We need to start breaking down these artificial barriers. Like you think about the infinite of space and we're on this floating rock for a very short time. We're sharing this planet. I don't think of Chinese people or Japanese or Russian or any of these people that we're all just human beings. We're all sharing this one spaceship Earth. So I think we need to start stop letting rich people get us to fight amongst each other for their own benefit. They're basically, it's like someone going into a bar, starting a fight, and then stealing everyone's wallets while the fight's going on. That's literally how global economics works. So we need to stop letting these people fucking divide us and, you know, turn off your TV. I mean, I hate to be cliche, but... If you're watching TV, mainstream media news, you're you're misinformed, and they're going to get you to fear all these people for all these dumbass reasons. Oh yeah, and then on top of that, you know, we Brian and I broke down some history. Um, you're free to, you know, we'll have sources um, connected with this podcast when we put it up out there, and you know, you can read these things because Brian and I are not pulling this shit out of our ass. Uh, <laughs> we try to we try to have like some some evidence to back up our our, our opinions. Um, and, 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 you know, travel, you know, if you travel to these countries, they're probably not as bad as like they make it out to be because I was, you know, in Ecuador a few years ago and they were talking about, oh, Venezuela is bread lines. Oh, my God, it's horrible. And uh, the whole country's the continent is going to fall to socialism and it's going to be terrible. And I went to Ecuador and I had a great time. Good food, nice people. Um, it's a little chilly in the mountainous areas, but not bad. And there was a lot of Venezuelans there and they were nice people. And I had no problem with them, they, you know. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, there's horrible socialist Venezuela. Wasn't an asshole. He wasn't an asshole. They were nice. So that's bullshit. And then at the maybe, end, at yeah. the, go ahead. No, well, I was gonna say, God, maybe we all need to do another episode. Like Venezuela's a, again part of the Red Scare, where it's like, oh my God, they're socialists. They're socialists. Cuba too. You know all this oh, yeah. fear about they have, Cuba. They have bread lines. They have bread lines in in Venezuela. No, there fucking was bread lines in Texas. Um, because right, fucking right. people have lost their jobs and livelihoods um, due to this pandemic, and and even in the city of Atlanta where I live at now, it, it was like, it was always a lot of homelessness here. But since the pandemic started, it, it's gotten even worse. Like I see people camped outside the Capitol. It, it's it's disgusting. Like oh yeah, and that and that's what I'm not saying. Russia or China or Venezuela are perfect governments, but the U.S. being an American citizen, the U.S. is in no place to be calling out other countries for their crimes against humanity. We have a messy ass house that we need to clean up internally. Whether that's the border, whether it's the fact that we have state sanctioned violence against black, brown, and indigenous people, yeah, and like you know these cops when like it's. Like the the white the white folks would be like, well, you know, maybe like they the cops kill white people too. I'm like, well, they shouldn't. And like, let me be honest, that they do kill a white person is someone who's poor. Then they're not shooting fucking Biden's family. They're not they're not putting Hunter Biden in jail for snoring cocaine. All right, they're not. They're not rich people are good. Um, and, and and another thing I think what we should do is at the end of the day, what we're talking about, you know, those countries have to figure out their own shit. China's not perfect. Russia's not perfect. They got their own eternal shit they got to worry about. Just like the United States has their own eternal shit to worry about. And I think the, the, one of the biggest things, and I think this is kind of what pisses me off about the, um, the, the so-called leftists in the United States, um, instead of being on Twitter debating about AOC or this podcast or that podcaster, is that we're not fucking talking about, you know, solidarity between, you know, city and rule. Like, back in the day, it was organizers, communists, socialists, Radical organizers in fucking rural area 
organizing goddamn steel mill workers and shit like that. We need to fucking bring that shit back. Also, we need to look beyond just our fucking borders. There are places that have fought back against United States imperialism. We need international solidarity. We could have international solidarity with the fucking workers of America united with the workers of China and the workers of fucking Russia. Because at the end of the day, you know, you got these you got these rich people and these one percent and these elite people who run the media, they run these companies, they run the government, they have too much influence over the government. They're the billionaire class. They have more money than you can, you know, your our regular asses could ever imagine. That their grandchildren's children's children's wouldn't fucking spend it. And if we came together, we could solve climate change, we can fight for fair wages. And we can uplift the masses of humanity out of dire poverty and maybe make a world that's more sustainable, not just for all the people who live here, but all the but all the other creatures we share this planet with. Because like Brian said, at the end of the day, we're on a small rock floating in the vastness of space, floating around a mid-sized star. It's kind of crazy to think about. And this is like for a very short time for a very short time. Like, you know, I'm 37, according to my average lifespan of an American man, I'm halfway through. <laughs> I got, I'm halfway done. Oh, man, we're halfway there. Oh, oh <laughs> living on a prayer. So, like, that's that's the real thing. So, quit letting yeah. these fucking this propaganda get to you. Learn for yourself, and just yeah, we need international solidarity, not just with the people of Russia or China, but the, the global majority of people are just everyday people trying to live their life and like survive and. And I mean, you saw it against you saw it happen with the last election where just Bernie Sanders, socialist, socialist. How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? Socialist, socialist, socialist. How are you going to pay yeah. for it? He's like, I just want people to have some health care, maybe. Yeah. And yeah. socialist, socialist, socialist. How are you going to pay for it? And, and, and they never asked that question when we when Biden increased the military budget yet again, right. even more so than right. Trump. And they right. never is never one person to me like, how are you going to pay for it? I mean, and, and that's what. It, they they green the new deal how you gonna pay for it but like you know another fucking <laughs> right, yeah. oil rig oh yeah that's a job creator build it yeah they're the 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 powerful are always going to try and create a boogeyman to keep us fearful of and it's just frustrating because there wasn't honestly i think there had been so much anti-communist and socialism propaganda in the 50s 60s i think it got so ingrained in society that they kind of let their guard down but now, you know, you're seeing socialism is actually becoming very popular again because the, you know, economy's in the shitter and, you know, workers' wages haven't risen in fucking three decades. So socialism is becoming popular again. I, you know, I was reading articles and I'll share them with you guys about, you know, in amongst uh, millennials and younger. So, you know, people in their 30s and younger socialism is over 50 percent, you know, approval rating now. So it's growing again. So now that so now they're like, oh, shit. So now they got to ramp back up the propaganda to get enough people to be afraid, you know, and create this new boogeyman. Yeah, like how many people in his on his position podcast met someone from China or Russia? It's like if you if you meet the average citizen there, like they're just regular people. So we're not like we're not big up in these like the Russian government or the Chinese government because they they got their crimes against humanity and their fuckery too and the propaganda that they spread to their citizens. But like Brian said earlier, the United States is in no fucking way able to point their finger and be like look at you all look at y'all like we got a shit ton of shit in-house to get to get squared away if we can tell anybody and the fact that like let me be fucking honest let's just entertain that russia gate is true the conspiracy is true that the russians interfered and that's the reason why trump won 
Well, isn't that fucking goddamn it? Fucking what we call the CIA calls blow black. Yeah, right. you keep fucking with other countries, the shit comes back. It's the chickens coming home to roost. So we did all this regime change in all these other countries and overthrowing democratically elected leaders, and it finally comes back to bite us in our ass. I just say it's fucking karma, as my Hindu yeah. brothers and sisters are say. <laughs> yeah, right. So I mean, but but that's the thing is the we we share a common the workers of China share a common interest with the workers of America. If you have to go to a job to earn a living, you are a worker. You are the proletariat. And we all across the world, we all have these things in common. So do what you got to do. Travel, read history, you know, follow, you know, actual journalists like do what you can to to because the propaganda is going to be relentless. It's already nonstop. I mean, I feel like that's all Rachel Maddow talked about for fucking, you know, months and months on end. So the propaganda is going to be relentless. So do whatever you possibly can to, you know, turn tune that out. And, and just remember, you know, to have solidarity with all all people across the globe and try and, you know, what's good for the, the working people in China is good for the working people in America. You know, stop thinking, you know, this. don't let this divide and conquer get to you. Yeah. And as someone who's like travel, you know, had the privilege to travel to um, different nations in this world. And there's still lots of other places I want to go. Um, but unfortunately, a pandemic happened. So we didn't get a chance to go some other places in 2020 or this year. Um most people want the same thing. They just want to, you know, have their basic needs met, enjoy time with their friends and family, um, and, and eat some good food, have a good some good drinks, and have a few laughs, and just be entertained. Um, so people aren't so different. They might speak different languages. They might have different complexions, but we need we need that solidarity. And that, that's one thing that pisses me off about the left in this country, is that we spend too much time fighting about who's the 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 more pure leftists or which politician will save us now and which podcaster we hate now. So-and-so wore a hat. So-and-so wants to have sex with a horse. Well, they all hate them. Oh my God. They're communists. What no, political we'll, ideology. I'm a Trotskyist. I'm, I'm, I'm a Trotskyist. Yeah, yeah, right. They're, right, they're right. Leninists. They're the wrong. They're doing it wrong. And like, we all need to worship Marx. I'm like, look, fuck all this international solidarity, solidarity with people in the rural areas, small towns, fucking the big cities, like the workers are everywhere. We don't need to be like, well, you need to know this theory and this theory. Like, look, we the theory will come. You know, that's the that's the what we need. I want as many people to be as happy as possible. That's my you know, politics, my ideology. So whatever you want to label, whatever and that's the thing, these labels are gonna tear us down too, because that's exactly you know, what the, the establishments want is a, a label to demonize. So maybe, you know, they'll try communism. They'll try Antifa. That's another new oh, yeah. one. Like every, everything bad. Black is Lives Antifa. Matter. Like, oh, my God. And, and obviously the Antifa and Black Lives Matter are, are Russian agents. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and they're all communists. They're, 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 so they're, oh, they're agents of the Kremlin. Yeah. Vladimir is yep. pulling his friends. Yep. Like, I'm pretty, I wonder how Vladimir Putin thinks about all this. Vladimir, I think that's how you say his name. He's like, I don't know. How do you think that I'm all powerful? This is good. This is good. They think they think I control Donald, the president of the United States. What is his comrade? Okay, I think Trump is a good man. I, do, I know. He come to Russia. We drink vodka. We talk about women. What is wrong with him? He has TV show. I, I'm on TV. I play golf. I, I don't play golf. I play hockey, you know, Mother Russia. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what he thinks. I'm like, that's weird. You're like, wow, wow we're influencing the, the, the world superpower. Like, that's crazy. I mean, it, it's such a oversimplistic version way to look at the world too, to think like, oh yeah, Russia, Russia scored the goal that time. And they, they won their candidate. Like, like 
all governments and all economies are are affecting each other's elections all the fucking time. Like, you want to talk about affecting elections? Think about all the money Israel has funneled into the United States government so they can keep washing each other's hands, you know? Exactly. How much money we funneled to them to oppress the, right. Palis- the Israeli government to oppress the Palestinians. And we know that the Israeli government isn't a reflection of the Israeli people. And just like the United States government is not a reflection of all the people of this country because... And, and 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 I wish that people could break their 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 grip of the the Republican Democrat and, and these bullshit conspiracies that they spout because that's all they are and it's just rich people getting you to do what they what to put you keep you in control and keep you kind of you know afraid so they can run away and laugh at the bank while they amass more wealth and more power while the fucking planet burns and things get worse and yeah. worse for the regular working Joe so. Free your mind and read between the lines. Exactly. Revolution is the birthplace of equality and an antithesis to oppression. Shout out to my nigga Immortal Technique. Nice, nice. Um, have you have you heard of the poet activist uh, Gil? I think it's Gil Scott Heron. Yeah, yeah. From the sixties, he has an amazing line in one of his songs about uh, "I just want a wife and a children and some food to eat and so, you know home to live in." And he was just talking about, you know, just the, the general struggle. Most, I, th- I feel like most people who, you know, even all the people that don't pay attention to politics, they just want, they want to have their little space in this world and to live in peace. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what imaginary line you were born in between. That's how most human beings are. Yeah. You know, we, a lot of us, you know, will trip up along the way and do some destructive things. But overall, that that's our shared humanity. So we, you know focus on that shit rather than letting this bullshit propaganda divide us yes, we we the people of the world have more in common than they have apart from each other and, and i know that not just from traveling across this um beautiful country of ours because the united states is a, is a pretty beautiful country um despite despite like the people who run it and you know other parts of the world and you know i break i broke bread with you know families in costa rica um you know i, I party with indigenous ab- aboriginals in, in australia um, I've had some really interesting life experiences. I've been fortunate. And at the end of the day, people just want to have a good time and, and, and support themselves and support their families. And and to be totally honest, left the fuck alone. Like, it's yep. that simple. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. <laughs> All right, well, you want to do quotes? Sure. All right, you can, you go. All right, so my quote is from a gentleman named Alan McLee, Mc, um, McLeodin. Oh God, we always get people's names wrong. I'm so bad with names. God, my wife is gonna like she's gonna hear our podcast. Like, <laughs> sorry, everybody, get these names right. All right. So anyway, <laughs> he's talking about in regards to RussiaGate and the power of the corporate media. So his quote is uh, simple. It's like for corporate media too, the displaying disciplined effort of Russian narrative is highly useful, allowing them to reassert control over the means of communication under the guise of preventing a Russia fake news infiltration news sources that challenge the establishment are censored defunded deranked as corporate sources sources stroke mistrust of them meanwhile it allows themselves them to portray themselves as arbiters of truth this strategy has had some success with the democrats trust in media increasing since the election None of this to say that Russia does not strive does not strive to influence countries' elections, a tactic that the United States has employed even more frequently. Yet, to the extent in which this story has dominated the U.S. media, to the detriment of other issues, is remarkable. To his testament to the power of its utility. 
So, yeah, this, this thing has been able to distract people from real issues that are happening on the ground because people are worried about Russiagate or QAnon in the deep state and Vladimir Putin and the Russian agents versus like really looking and being like, we have some real problems. And if we can solve these problems here, at least some of them, like get people health care, get people living wages, uh, make education and college affordable and access to child care uh, for working mothers and fathers and caretakers. We could we people will be a lot less stressed and we can have a much better country than what we live in now. And then we can focus on real shit like climate change and traveling the fucking cosmos because that's fucking cool. Exactly, dude. I mean, if we if you gave people living wages and health care in this country, then there wouldn't be so many mass shootings. There's so many there wouldn't be so many people getting carjacked. There wouldn't be so many people getting pistol whipped and robbed. You know, all these crimes stem from an unhealthy society. So if we work together with people of the world, we can form a more healthy society. Dope, dope quote, Lorna. Um, all right, so my... God damn it, I'm going to mess up my name too. I feel so bad. No no disrespect to these people. It's uh, my own ignorance that leads to this. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, um, <laughs> so this is from a Brazilian liberation theologian, Dom Helder Camara. Um, he said, when I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why the poor have no food, they call me a communist. And ain't that the, <laughs> ain't that the fucking, fucking truth? truth. Yes. Exactly. Because it's like, if you dare to question anything, boom, here's this label we got for that. And that kind of summarizes what this you know episode's all about, is they're creating this propaganda, these buzzwords to shut down and have this chilling effect so no one ha- you know dissents. So let's uh, try and work together to stomp that shit out. Um, but uh, thank you, Lorna. Thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, hold on. One, one, oh, no. one last thing yeah. is, um, I should have brought this up at the beginning of the episode, but we've had over 800 plays so far. So I didn't know anybody would fucking listen to what we had to say. So that's pretty fucking awesome. Um, especially for folks uh, like myself and Brian who 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 don't have like a, a giant social media platform, and we're not on fucking. We're not good salesmen. We're not. We're not. <laughs> we're not on. We're not on TV all the time, and we don't have like people debating us about they hate our podcast because like we're we're really grifting and we really want to be working for msnbc secretly which brian and i need i don't i don't know do you want to work for msnbc brian do you want to hang out with rachel maddow <laughs> or do you want to be I, I on cnn hanging out with don lemon and uh cuomo's brother i'm pretty confident i would get fired on day one yeah I, i'll probably say some real shit and be like no uh he's a scary yeah. black man no we can't have him <laughs> He said, <laughs> he said Kamala locked up poor black people. But uh, thanks, shouts out to all the folks who uh, tuned in and hear our brain farts. Yeah, really, thank you everyone for listening. Um, and, you know, we did our last episode with someone recommended a topic. So definitely want to hear from you guys too what you're interested in hearing us talk about. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, as always, check out our Facebook and Twitter pages, Q Culture, Q U E Culture. Um, Because we got all the books, articles. I have a shit ton of good videos kind of debunking Russiagate for this week. So check that stuff out. Um, Check out Lornette's blog. Check out his book, Even the Faders. Check out our monthly history episodes just because we go, you know, we basically just spend 15 minutes of each of these episodes on the history, but there's infinitely more that we talk about. So we kind of put those in our history episodes. So check those out uh, with Lornette uh, and myself and my brother, Steve. And, uh, Remember to question everything.
Any views or opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to Brian and Lornette and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that Brian and Lornette may or may not be associated with in any professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.